Let's take a little time and talk now about the state that we are living in. Political, spiritual, maybe some life. While you are listening to Phyllis Faber. Welcome back to the pastor's office. I pray that you had an outstanding Christmas celebration. Uh, I pray that you had an opportunity to spend time with family and friends. And I pray that that you remembered what this season is all about. Uh, it's not about giving gifts, but it's about the gift that was given to all of us. And that is the gift of Jesus Christ, the gift of a Savior. Uh, so I pray that at some point during this holiday season, you stopped, paused, prayed, and thanked God for sending us someone that would give their lives so that we might have the gift of eternal life. So welcome to the pastor's office. I, I, I will tell you that I had a great Christmas. It was a different Christmas. Uh, we didn't travel around to various households. The Omicron variant is real. The sickness caused by the variant is real. We just are thankful that most Pennsylvanians are vaccinated. So most are not ending up in the hospital or ending up very sick. That's a blessing. But together, we ought to work to convince our family and friends to get vaccinated. Because this truly is a pandemic of the unvaccinated right now. Uh, and, and if we're all vaccinated, we can fend off these barriers. So let's work together to rid Pennsylvania, the United States, and the country uh, of COVID so that we can go back to a true normal lifestyle. Listen, a few weeks ago, uh, we had in the pastor's office the state treasurer of Pennsylvania, Ms. Stacey Garrity, we talked about a number of things, but one of the things that really intrigued me and really provided some great conversation was a plan that she was introducing called Keystone Saves. Uh, Keystone Saves would allow Pennsylvanians to save for their retirement. Did you know there are over 2 million Pennsylvanians who are not saving for their retirement? You know, I'm 49 years old, and I, I think about retirement more now than I ever have. I'll be 50 next year. I tell my children I'm an old man now. Just stay where you are. Don't get to be this age. Just just freeze right where you are. But 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 retirement is real, and 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 if we're blessed, all of us are going to get there. And so, Representative michael driscoll of the 173rd legislative district of pennsylvania is with us today because he has stood with treasurer garrity and will be presenting legislation to make keystone saves a reality in pennsylvania so i want to welcome for the first time into the pastor's office 
State Representative Michael Driscoll. Representative Driscoll, come on in the pastor's office. Uh, uh, Pastor, I'm glad to hear you had a Merry Christmas and a Merry Christmas to all of your audience and and a happy and healthy new year. Sir, how was your Christmas? Let's let's start there. How did you enjoy your Christmas? I know last year had to be different for all of us, but this year a little bit of normalcy came back. Would you say a little bit, but not as much as we'd like to. I am um, I'm a, a member of a large Irish Catholic family, and my wife's the youngest of ten. We have wow. five children, and some Thanksgivings we had as many as thirty five people over. This Thanksgiving we just had. Uh, my wife and five children, and same with Christmas. We just had the immediate family, uh, and it was wonderful. Don't get me wrong, because we don't we don't do that enough with just a small subset. But ordinarily, we have the the giant gatherings. And as you talked about at the beginning of your show here, we need to take this variant seriously. If we haven't gotten the vaccine, please get it. I know people are concerned; they have the reasons, but it's it's the pandemic of the unvaccinated, and if we can just get there, that's my my New Year's wish for everyone is is to let's let's rid a, ourselves and our great country and our great Commonwealth and this great city of Philadelphia of this terrible disease. You know, State Representative Driscoll, you're you're in the Capitol, you're on the Capitol every day, uh, you're fighting battles every day, and and and, and unfortunately, in our politics today, a lot of things are partisan. But but as an elected leader in Pennsylvania, I'd be remiss if I didn't say to you, encourage our listeners again, because unfortunately, some have tried to make the vaccine a partisan issue. Uh, but this is not a partisan issue. This is a, a life's normalcy issue. Talk to our listeners a little bit about taking the politics out of the vaccine. Oh, uh, that you couldn't you couldn't say it any better, Pastor. It it. Look, I'm not pointing fingers about who, 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 who which networks are, are, are talking about it in the right way or in the wrong way. I'm just saying, you know, as, as an educated man um, and one that respects science and doctor's advice, you know, my primary physician uh, told me early on that he thought it was safe. And then once uh, it was approved by the federal government, he said, get in line as fast as you can. In, in the proper order, you know, very sensitive to me as a public official trying to get ahead of anybody. I would never do that. Um, but, you know, the day that they pinged my phone and said I was eligible back in uh, March, April of 2020, 2021, I got in my car, drove down to the convention center, waited in line, and I was thrilled. And then three weeks later, I got the second shot. And happy to tell you, two Mondays ago, I got the booster. And Outstanding. you just got to do it. Yeah, yeah. And, and you know what? It's, um, you know, the one thing that I'm seeing as we do see the numbers soar for the Omicron variant is that, as I said in my introduction, those that are vaccinated and those that are vaccinated and boosted are not going to the hospital. They're not seriously ill. And most importantly, they're not dying. And and I I don't know. I mean, mean, we talk about this on my show all of the time, and it's my prayer that those that are listening to us have gotten vaccinated if they're cleared by their medical professional. But, man, if we could just get the 208 million Americans up to the 300 million plus, we'd be in such better shape as a country. 
uh, and then we'd be able to share more of our resources with the world and get rid of this thing. I don't know if I'm idealistic in saying that, State Rep, but I believe we can get there. Oh, I do. I, I've talked to uh, some of the, the, the medical uh, professionals that brief us on some of our committees, and, and they do believe when we get to that threshold of what, what they call herd immunity, um, that this thing will disappear just like the things in, in, in 50 and 100 years ago, just like those pandemics. They were real, uh, and then uh, people during World War II were lining up for the polio vaccine, saying we want to do our part to help our country. It was a patriotic thing to do. I think we have to look at that as we want to help our country, we want to help our, our citizens, we want to help our neighborhood, we want to help our grandmother, we want to help our, our next-door neighbor. We don't want to be the ones that are carrying this virus. That's real. That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, State Representative, you made a, you made a statement. You said it's patriotic. Well, I think another thing that's patriotic uh, is what you and uh, State Treasurer Garrity uh, announced just uh, a few days ago, and that is that you're going to be presenting legislation for Keystone Saves. Uh, it, it was it was astonishing to me that that in 2021 we have over two million Pennsylvanians that are not able to or aren't provided the opportunity uh, to save for retirement. Something else that's real is if we all live long enough, we're going to retire, uh, and we need to be able to live comfortably and respectably. Uh, and, and maintain a certain normal normalcy within our lives. Uh, talk to us a little bit about Keystone Saves and how that will help the average Pennsylvanian. So when, when I came into the legislature uh, in 2014, I, a trusted friend and lawyer uh, friend of mine brought, brought it to my attention that Pennsylvania had 44% of its workforce uh, without an IRA uh, or a defined benefit program. And fast forward to today, that's about 2 million people, as you, as you just uh, enunciated. Well, over the course of these past few years, I, I drafted legislation in 2015. We presented it to, uh, to State Treasurer Joe Torcella, and he immediately invested staff time and energy and consultants into looking at the feasibility of this. Well, his feasibility came up with that it would, over a 15-year period, uh, we spend 14 to 15 billion in senior resources that could be mitigated if the other 44 percent, two million people, actually had a retirement program. So we came up with a program that I'm thrilled that you had State uh, Treasurer Stacy Garrity on, because when she succeeded Treasurer Torcella. We didn't know whether she was going to adopt the program, uh, like it, not like it, advance it, but she immediately looked at it, didn't look at it as a partisan issue, and has invested her time and energy and resources and commitment to it. And so last week, in a bipartisan way, myself and uh, State Representative Tracy Pennycook, a Republican, have co-authored a bill that will establish right here in Pennsylvania, Keystone Saves. Now, essentially, Pastor, what that will do is provide small businesses of five employees or more the ability to set up a payroll deduction that will be sent to the Pennsylvania State Treasury 
to manage an IRA account for those businesses that don't have an existing defined benefit program or an existing IRA program. This essentially will manage it for those small businesses. And then that account is not owned by that business. That account will be owned by the individual employee. Now, the individual employee doesn't have to stay in this program. They could say, hey, that's not for me, and opt out. But if they want in, they can choose to pick the amount of payroll deduction that they want out of every paycheck. That money will be sent to the state treasury, properly and fiduciarily managed by the state treasurer through the private sector. And then at such time as the employee retires, they will hopefully have a nice amount of money that can help them retire with dignity. And it's so, so if they if they want to if they're if they're working say at a factory down the street and they want to then go work in the retail industry or they want to change another job, that IRA will follow them wherever they go. That's exciting, Representative Driscoll. That is very exciting because one of the reasons why small businesses do not invest in retirement accounts for their employees is not because they don't care about their employees, it's the expense. They're expensive. Uh, and then, too, when you talk about matching contributions, uh, uh, that provides a whole other layer of expense. So the program that you're talking about takes that weight, that burden, off of the small business owner. In fact, the small business owner, by law, by federal ERISA laws, is not allowed to contribute to this program. The only thing this law will make them do is set up a payroll deduction. Just like they have right now, the, the deduction that goes to the city, to the federal government, to the state government, this will just be another line item deduction. Um, I, Treasurer Garrity and, and Representative Pentecook and I, we think it's an opportunity for small businesses to actually give their employees a gift of an ability to save. And then, you know, if the business does well, while they can't contribute directly to this program, what the employer can do is raise, raise the wages over time of their employees, and then that subset of that increase in wage, the employee can say, hey, you know, 10%, 20%, 4%, whatever of that raise you just gave me, I want to put into uh, the Keystone Saves, which will be tax. They won't have to pay taxes on that. And so they might be able to get essentially their whole raise in real dollars, but be putting X percent of that away. And uh, we want to see Pennsylvanians retire with dignity. And unfortunately, well, Pastor, there's not enough of them retiring with dignity today. And that pains me greatly. No, absolutely. Well, the other thing for small business owners is it's a, it's a recruitment tool. Uh, because think about it, a lot, of em a lot of potential employees are looking for a great benefits package. And if you are, uh, say to a potential employee, well, we don't offer any type of retirement savings, that's an automatic negative check mark against your business. And in this new environment where it really is an employee's market and not an employer's market, to be able to have that as something to offer, it definitely helps with recruitment for your business. So uh, as a small business owner in Pennsylvania, 
uh, state representative, I'm excited about it. I can't wait until it gets passed. And that leads me to the next question. Uh, with all of the partisan politics going on, not only in Pennsylvania, but in the United States, I'm glad that this was a bipartisan presentation. But talk to me about how you see this walking through the legislative process. So our leader on it is Representative Penny Cook, and she is an Army colonel, retired. Uh, she is one tough cookie. And, you know, I'm thrilled that she is taking the lead with this. As same way with Treasurer Garrity, you know, she's retired Army. Um, those, those women know about leadership, and they know how to get things done. So they're going to advance the ball within the Republican House of Representatives. I'm going to champion the bill in the Democratic House of Representatives. Um, once we have what we feel is the tipping point of enough votes to get this through the House, uh, we're going to ask both leaderships to talk and put it on the calendar in early in the new year. And we could actually get this out of the uh, House of Representatives sometime this spring, get it over to the Senate, God willing. The Senate takes a quick look at it. Hopefully they look at how many bipartisan votes it got in the House and they do the same. And by um, hopefully by the end of the budget season, it'll be on Governor Wolf's desk. And, uh, you know, we've, I, he, I've already spoken to him about this and he looks forward to it hitting his desk and he'll be eager to sign it. That's, that, that's very exciting, uh, State Representative Driscoll. And, and, do, and, and one of the things I always share with our Philly's favorite listeners, and, and you're listening to Philly's favorite 1.7 FM, 99.58D3. We're talking to State Representative Michael Driscoll about Keystone Saves, a, a retirement account opportunity uh, for the 2 million-plus Pennsylvanians that currently are not saving uh, uh, for retirement. But, State Representative, one of the things I always share with our listeners is that we need to be engaged in the political process. Uh, and so as this legislation makes its way through the process, you know, I always encourage our listeners, call your state representatives, talk to you, send emails, send, send letters, let them know that this is something that you want to see enacted as soon as possible. Uh, and I can, t and, and as a state representative, I think you place great weight on hearing from your constituents. Am I correct? Oh, you better believe it. The first thing I do every morning is I, uh, I look at who called the day before, and I look at who sent me notes the day before, and I pay attention. I'm not, I don't always agree with what some of my constituents are asking for, but uh, you, you better believe that they get my attention whether, whether I do or whether I don't. And it's, it, it, doesn't, it does give us the confidence to continue to move forward when our constituents want us to do something that makes sense. That's right. That's right. Well, listen, I want to thank you for the work that you're doing on Keystone Saves. I really do believe this is going to be a great blessing uh, for all Pennsylvanians uh, that uh, are currently not saving for their retirement. So thank you for that. But before we let you go, uh, you know, we, we kind of heard about uh, Friends for Penny Pack Park. Uh, uh, it's an initiative that you're working on that, that's near and dear to you. Uh, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about this initiative? Oh, thank you for um, for noticing that, Pastor. So the, the, over the last uh, two years, we've been working on a bipartisan legislation that just uh, on the last week passed the House unanimously. Um, 
the problem that ha- it happened was somebody came into my office pre-COVID, and they had an organization, nonprofit called Friends of Pennypack Park, and they were disbanding because they couldn't afford liability insurance. And if they didn't have liability insurance for their nonprofit, and these are all folks that were giving up free time to clean up their park, a lawsuit could be thrust upon any of their volunteers. And so, of course, the volunteers are volunteering. They're not getting paid. Last thing they need is on their own dime to have to to pay for a lawsuit for, for something they maybe put a bag in the wrong spot and somebody tripped or or they put a branch somewhere. So Friends of Pennypack Park disbanded. And then almost every other volunteer organization across this Commonwealth, and there are hundreds of them, all followed suit. And the only way we were going to be able to get them back is to limit liability, to make it more affordable. And we passed that legislation last week. It's out of the House, and it's over in the Senate. And we did it with two Republicans and two Democrats from Philadelphia. It was Martina White and myself. And then it was Jim Struzzi from the West, the Republican, and Perry Warren from Bucks County. And the four of us got it through the House. And um, now we're encouraging our colleagues to, and citizens all across this Commonwealth, to, to call their state senator and say, get this out of the, out of the Senate. And then again, Governor Wolf is looking forward to signing this one. And hopefully by the spring, we can get these, these organizations back together and cleaning up our parks again. Because, you know, ironically, during COVID, we had more people visit our parks than ever. And yet, unfortunately, our parks weren't as as clean as they were before because these friends of Pennypack Park-like organizations weren't, weren't there doing their job that they love so much, not getting paid a nickel, doing it all on a volunteer basis. Wow. Yeah, that, 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 that's, um, that's important for our listeners to hear, uh, simply because, you know, when you think about the liability issue, uh, <laughs> you know, you're out there doing something out of the goodness of your heart, but then there's the potential you can get in trouble if something goes the wrong way. I mean, this legislation helps to correct that. Correct. Correct. It's so needed. Oh, my God. It's so neat. Um, and I apologize to the folks who came in to see me two years ago that it's taken this long. But as you can imagine, COVID really put all legislation, except for COVID-related legislation, uh, on the back burner. But fortunately, it's, it's back, and it's noticed, and it's passed. And if we can get the Senate to do their job, yeah, we're, our parks are going to be all, all the better for it. Very nice. Well, listen, I want to again encourage our listeners, write your state senator. Let's get this legislation moving. Don't allow it to just sit. Uh, let's write our state senators and get them to move on this legislation right away. Uh, state Representative Michael Driscoll, you've been very busy, sir. Uh, this is your first time in the pastor's office, but I certainly hope it will not be the last. Uh, we thank you for the work that you're doing And we want to wish you a very happy new year as you continue to be about the business of the people of Pennsylvania. Uh, Thank you, Pastor. And a happy new year to you, your family, and all your listeners, and all the good work you do. Thank you, sir. We'll be right back after these commercial messages. Hey, police favorite listeners, welcome back to the pastor's office. And we want to sincerely thank 
State Representative Michael Driscoll for coming on. Uh, make sure you do as we shared earlier and reach out to your local elected officials. Uh, we want to see Keystone Saves become law here in the state of Pennsylvania. But listen, uh, you've been watching the news. Uh, you know what's going on. You know the Omicron variant is running wild. You know as people move inside in the cold weather, uh, the cases of COVID have shot back up. Uh, I believe the other day we were at 165,000 cases in one day. Uh, and so we wanted today to talk a little bit about how COVID uh, is affecting Philadelphia and what we're doing to combat COVID here in Philadelphia. And I couldn't think of any better guest to talk about this issue with uh, than the new permanent health commissioner of Philadelphia, uh, uh, Ms. Dr. Cheryl Bettigo. Uh, uh, Dr. Bettigo, welcome back to the pastor's office for a third time, ma'am. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here with you. Well, listen, first and foremost, let me just open up and, 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 and ask you, uh, you know, last year uh, we were obviously uh, in the heart and in the heat of this pandemic. Uh, we certainly thought uh, that this year would see a return to normalcy uh, as relates to the manner in which we spend holidays with our families. Uh, let's talk a little bit about what the holiday season 2021 looks like and, and how Philadelphians can stay safe. Sure. No, I think that's a great thing for us to kind of talk through for people. So, you know, we are seeing a lot of cases right now, um, you know, averaging over 700 a day um, in the last 24 hours, actually more than 1,400. But things are a little bit different. So we have people in the hospital, but not nearly as many as we did last winter. Um, as far as we understand it, Omicron is probably a little bit less severe but not enough less severe that we can just kind of ignore it and say it's going to be a cold. We're likely to see our hospitals fill up, and what we want to do is, is keep people safe, right? But at the same time, we miss the people we love, and we want to get together with them. And the good news is that the vaccines plus a booster seem to still be quite effective against this new variant. So the best thing you can do if you're able to, if you've already been vaccinated, is to go ahead and get your booster. If you haven't been vaccinated, of course, get vaccinated. And then think about what's, what's the minimum for you to feel like it's a real holiday. So if you have certain people that you love that you haven't seen and you really want to see, what's the smallest group that could get together? Because the fewer people who are together, the lower the risk. Is everybody vaccinated and boosted? Because that's going to be a lower risk. And if you have people in the group who aren't vaccinated, um, you know, can you get together outside to minimize your risk? Maybe go for a walk together. Um, can you, and I know this has been tough recently, certainly um, in here in Philadelphia, but around the country, but are you able to test before you get together to, just to make sure everybody's negative? So just trying to layer on those risks, but really trying to stay away from the really big holiday parties where the odds of somebody in the room having COVID right now are just very high. Yeah, and, and you know what, it's it's... I tell you, it's so unfortunate. Uh, I've got some friends, uh, as a matter of fact, uh, that live right there in West Philadelphia uh, who are planning a huge gathering for their family this year. Uh, four of them live in the same household, and in the last week, all four were diagnosed with COVID. All four now uh, quarantined for COVID. So obviously all of those plans have to change. And, and I don't think we can emphasize enough the fact that this variant is highly contagious. 
and and yes, we want to return to some sense of normalcy, but uh, we've got to understand, and as I tell my congregation, we've got to be prayerful and careful. We've got to be very careful right now uh, uh, so that this spread uh, can be can be stifled a bit. So, so I appreciate the advice that you're offering to our listeners about holiday gatherings. You know, one of the things that I've told people, listen, if you can't be in person, Zoom still works. Google Meet still works. Uh, you know, there are ways where we can still come together, uh, have holiday dinner together, but maybe not even be in the same physical place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, so, and activities where we can keep our masks on or, you know, going for a walk outside, like finding those ways where you're a little bit safer. Absolutely. So, so now the other thing that, that I wanted to, to touch on as we, as we start to unpack this, this Omicron discussion, uh, what I've seen in the statistics, and you mentioned it in your opening statement, is that those that are vaccinated and those that are vaccinated and boosted have a much less chance of getting seriously ill. Can you tell us a little bit about what the data says in regard to that? Yeah, so unlike with previous variants, people who have had the primary series, so the one shot of J&J or the two shots of Pfizer and Moderna, don't seem to have great protection. But people who are boosted do. So this is a great time if you've been putting off your booster. It's a great time to get that booster and get that extra protection. Now, when I was now, now this past summer, Doctor Bettigo, uh, uh, you know, when I went to get the booster towards the end of the summer, I walked into a drugstore. I got it five minutes. I was in, stayed there for fifteen minutes, and then left. Um, what I'm seeing now, though, is that the lines are starting to get long again. Uh, is there any guidance you could offer about where our listeners could go to get the booster? Because you know, folks don't want to wait in line, but I, I, I'm, I'm starting to believe it's just going to be a part of that pro- of the process. Well, I've seen more lines recently for testing than I have for vaccine. So you can still get vaccine appointments online. We have them uh, on our phila.gov slash COVID site, but you can also just go to vaccines.gov and search for a site near you. Um, and get an appointment. They have them at pharmacies and grocery stores, um, clinics around hospitals. There are over 350 sites in Philadelphia. We're busier than we were, but people are still able to get those appointments. You're listening to Philly Saver 100.7 FM and 99.5 HD3. We're talking with uh, the Health Commissioner of Philadelphia, Dr. Cheryl Bettergold. Uh, Dr. Bettergold, I-, I read just the other day that uh, January 3rd, there are going to be some new mandates uh, here in the city of Philadelphia for indoor dining. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what that look- will look like? Yeah, and this is going to apply to any place that serves food and drink. So restaurants and bars, but also bowling alleys, movie theaters, our big sports stadiums, the the indoor parts. Um, Anybody who's coming inside is going to have to be vaccinated. And what that'll look like is if you were 12 and over, you will have to have completed your vaccine series by January 3rd to enter. There'll be a two-week kind of grace period during which they'll accept a negative COVID test within 24 hours, so pretty tight timeline, and testing is hard to come by, Um, but really trying to address this surge. And then for children five and three months to age 11, they'll have to have one shot by January 3rd, get that second dose by February 3rd. 
we're really trying to reach the rest of the people in the city who haven't yet been vaccinated, including our kids. And I think that's going to help us in the spring semester in school um, to help us keep our kids going to school in person. So, so just, uh, and, and okay, I, I got to play a little bit of devil's advocate here. Maybe not even devil's advocate, but just ask what's on the mind of some, some of our, our listeners. Uh, when we go into the restaurants, when we go into the stadiums, and I've had the opportunity to go into a stadium where they were checking uh, to see if you were vaccinated. I mean, these are, in many cases, young people uh, uh, that are at the, at the doors checking uh, they're not necessarily well-trained. Uh, as a matter of fact, when I was going to, I'm a big wrestling fan, when I was going to a WWE match, I heard somebody say, um, just pass somebody through, even though they did not have the necessary credentials. How do we, how do we shore up that process uh, to make sure that we are really um, uh, um, uh, following the mandates? Because at the end of the day, these mandates are being established to keep us safe and to keep us free from uh, contracting COVID. Absolutely. And we were putting together some resources for businesses to use to train people about how to avoid confrontations, what to do if a situation is as escalating. And then our um, inspectors will also be out just kind of making sure these processes are in place. And people have to not just show that they're vaccinated. They also have to show some kind of a photo ID if they're 18 or over, because we want to know that it's not just that they have a card, but that they have their card. You just mentioned about the fact that uh, we still have a lot of Philadelphians that are not vaccinated. Uh, We've actually heard our president call this the pandemic of the unvaccinated. Uh, You know, from your office and from your vantage point, what are we now doing uh, to make sure that we get the rest of Philadelphians to understand the importance of being vaccinated? Listen, we had several vaccination clinics and testing clinics at my church uh, over this past year. Many of our pastors, many of our local organizations got involved to make sure people were vaccinated. Worked with Commissioner Teal. They did a lot of going door to door uh, to try to make sure people were vaccinated. But yet we still have a percentage that have not gotten vaccinated. How do we bring these people to the understanding of how important it is to get this vaccination? So I think we do everything. So we are working with Philly Counts to go door to door and talk with people and understand their concerns and make sure they understand about boosters and about vaccinations for kids. Um, We have information tables out in low vaccine communities, also to share information and resources about where people could go and to answer people's questions. And these mandates also help. You know, we saw with the nursing homes that uh, the vaccine mandate for staff bumped vaccine rates up by about 30 percent, you know, worked really well. And and what I'm hearing from physician friends of mine is that parents are starting to come in and say that they want to get their kids vaccinated because they're not going to be able to take them anywhere. So I think it's all of this together. I think the mandate alone without all of the support and the, you know, answers to people's questions and so on wouldn't work and wouldn't be fair. But I think these things together can help us get where we need to go. One, one, one other thing that I, I want to talk about today is, is what the prognosis looks like. What does the future look like? I, I, I know that uh, you are uh, or have readily available at your access all of the updated resource, 
resources and research, updated statistics. Uh, do we see a time in the near future where we actually can say that we're out of the pandemic? We talk about this every time you're on the show, and I know this is an ever-changing target, but, but today, December 23rd, uh, as we tape this interview, 2021, what's the future look like for us? So I don't know how we're defining out of the pandemic right now, but I will tell you that despite the fact that I think the next month or so is going to be really tough, I'm actually feeling more hopeful than I've felt in a while because I think that one of the things that happened with Omicron is that it has convinced the federal government that we need to vaccinate all the people in the world who need who have not yet been vaccinated. We need to give large amounts of vaccine to Africa and Haiti and the other parts of the world that haven't had it, or we're going to suffer the consequences. We're going to have more and more variants. And, you know, I wish it hadn't taken this long, but that's where we needed to get. So, you know, that makes me feel hopeful. Um, What we're seeing in South Africa and in parts of Ontario and the UK is a quick upsurge, a really bad surge, and then a quick drop. So I think, you know, that. That's good in the sense of if we can get through the next little bit, we may start to see the light at the end of the tunnel. That said, the next few weeks could be really tough. And if our hospitals become overwhelmed, that means not only that people with COVID have a problem, it means that people with any kind of a serious health problem um, could really lack access to care. So that's why we really need to be careful right now. You know, we know still that the highest rates of, of COVID infection are among our young adults. And I think that's because people are feeling safe, right? That this is probably not going to make them get that sick. And while that might be true, they can then bring infection home to the grandparents, to unvaccinated little children, and so on. And so, you know, this is a problem we solve together. You know, as I, as I read the news in preparation for this interview, uh, I did see that Europe was looking potentially at some shutdowns. I uh, saw so that in Canada there were some, some areas that were looking at shutdowns. Uh, do we foresee here in the country, here in Pennsylvania, Philadelphia, uh, that shutdowns may return if we can't get these numbers under control? So we've talked before, so you know that I never say never. But our goal is to stay away from shutdowns. They are so bad for our economy. They're bad for people's health if, if they can't afford food and they can't afford to take care of their families and they can't afford to pay their rent. Um, so we're really going to try to avoid them. You know, that said, if our hospitals are sinking, they're, they're you know, I, I can't say that we wouldn't have a shutdown, but we, we are going to try everything else first. And that's the reason we went with the vaccine mandate. You know, for all the downsides of mandating something people don't necessarily want, it's better than closing things down. Absolutely. Well, Dr. Cheryl Bettergold, Health Commissioner, city of philadelphia and let me again say this is the last time we talk you you moved from interim to permanent congratulations ma'am uh on that appointment we want to thank you for all the work that you're doing to keep philadelphians healthy and to keep philadelphians safe and as i always say when we talk if you need this platform to reach our audience it's always available to you we appreciate you and happy holidays ma'am you too and thanks so much for helping us get the word out 